You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. How is your day, man? Pretty good so far. Yeah, You like the studio? Yeah, it's pretty cool. You have a podcast too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we just had 3 million downloads. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, we've had it around for a while, so. How long have you been doing it? We have 800 episodes. Wow, that's part of the episodes. Yeah. 800 episodes is a lot of episodes. Yeah. yeah. What's your focus on your podcast? Um, it's called Momentum, and it's just uh, advice for entrepreneurs. Like, it's it, mostly first person. Every once in a while, I interview, like, one of our members or something like that. But I'd say over 90% of it is just me with, like, one solution. So <clears throat> if I have an interaction with somebody or a coaching call or some type of intervention happens in an event, I kind of take the meaning behind that and record a podcast episode about it. Oh, okay. And is this weekly or you do it uh, when twice you feel a week. like twice a week? Twice wow, a week. That's Some so weeks we frequent, used to do yeah. three times a week. Yeah. And then we went down to one. Right now we're at twice, but for the summer we might go down to one. Oh, okay. Is that your creative expression? Or is it something else that you do to creatively express in your business? Oh man, I think my whole business is like creative expression. That's cool. Yeah. I think like the products I create, the events that we do, I think all of it's creative expression. Mm. Yeah. I mm. think, you know, curiosity leads to creativity and I'm intensely curious. Like most of the time I'm intensely curious. If I start losing curiosity, I know that there's something not right. And so, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think all of it's creative expression. Did you at some point said, I want to be curious or that's just a natural being? No, no, that's, uh, I've been since I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. And how else has curiosity played out in your life? Jeez. Uh, I think pretty much almost everything I've ever done has started with some level of curiosity or searching or wondering. I mean, my whole life has been kind of an, an act of curiosity. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I was raised Catholic and my parents weren't super religious. The Catholic church was confusing. And so I went like on a quest and went to a whole bunch of different churches and religions and investigated from like, I think 13 or 14 until I was probably 17 or 18, maybe a little older. I think every business I've ever started has been from a place of like curiosity to see if I could do it. Some of them were from a place of crisis, but then crisis created curiosity. And so that's the direction that I ended up going. But yeah, I think it's intense curiosity is a very common entrepreneurial trait. I think that's where a lot of the solutions we see in the world come from. I think that's where a lot of the success comes from is intense curiosity. Mm. And has curiosity sometimes led you into trouble? The whole curiosity <laughs> killed the cat thing. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm 49, Ajay. And so when I look back at my life and I think like, oh man, what were the worst things that ever happened? You know, I now have enough perspective to know that like those biggest challenges, the biggest obstacles, the worst things that ever happened eventually became the things that needed to happen and the things that spurred change and moved me in a different direction. And so, you know, I think the older I get, the more I, my, my wife always says divine timing and divine order. And the older I get, the more I believe in that. It's like everything is unfolding as it should. And the more we trust that that's happening, the more we see the lessons in things, the more we see the wisdom that we gain from things. And so 
would I say that like curiosity has ever led me astray? I don't think so. You know, I think, mm. I think maybe in the short term, certain numbers or metrics were affected, you know, but overall, I think even the greatest obstacles I've ever faced have been intense learning experiences that within a few years I can look back on and say, oh man, that had to happen. You know, that mm. not, maybe not had to happen. I'm glad it happened, even if it was one of the toughest things I've been through. One of the things that you just said, divine timing and divine order. order. How do you sit with it when we talk about goals mm -hmm. or dreams that we have? If it is divine timing and divine order, how do you sit or do you even care about goals at this point? Oh, or no, I, you do? Yeah. How do you, how do you do that dance? Well, I think, you know, there's divine timing and divine order and there's free will. And so we are free to pursue what we want. We're free to create the outcomes that we want. I am very goal-oriented, massively goal-oriented. In fact, I often joke that, you know, I don't really like goal-setting experts. I'm a goal-achievement expert. And those are two <laughs> completely different things, you know? And so I'm very driven. I think at, at any point in time, I'm, I'm working on a number of goals in my life, like physiology goals and spiritual goals and definitely goals that are either financial or in a business. So yeah, I don't just uh, kind of coast and let things come as they do. But at the same time, as the world unfolds around me, I like to believe that everything that's happening is happening for a reason. My friend Sean Stevenson, who passed away a few years ago, was just an extraordinary human being. And he used to say, it's not happening to you, it's happening for you. Whatever it is, it's not happening to you, it's happening for you. And if you just look at the world that way, that like, how is this happening for me? How is this obstacle, this challenge, this frustration, this bankruptcy, this loss, this business closure, this broken relationship, whatever it is, how is that happening for me? What's the lesson here? I think it's just a, you know, I, I hesitate to say it's a more enlightened way to live, but I think it's a lot more progressive way to live. It makes things a lot easier. Which is beautiful, by the way. And I love Sean as well. Like had some great conversations with him. Amazing dude. Yeah. My curiosity is still sitting with the idea. And I'm asking this more as a reflection also for anybody that would listen. They would be like, yeah, I like to do goal setting. I like to get my goals or at least I would like to achieve them. I do or I do not is a different thing. Yeah. At the same point of time, there is some level of surrender, I feel like, is what you're talking about. I don't want to say if it's easy or not easy, but it is a dichotomy in a way. It's two ways. It's like I'm chasing. Why do I need a chase if I believe in divine surrender and divine timing? Let me rephrase that and see if there is there is something hmm. there. Why do I need to chase if I believe divine timing and divine order? I think that every day for us is an opportunity. And I think... When you look at the world around you, we have the opportunity to say, you know, I want to change this about myself, or I want to grow in a certain way, or I want to help a certain amount of people, or I want to help a certain type of person. I want to leave my mark. I want to have an impact. And I think those are the things that move us in a direction. And as, as we are challenged by obstacles, or as we have things that come up against us, I, you know, Maybe it's a form of surrender, but I also think, you know, that the phrase that the obstacle is the way and that when we're presented with a challenge that as entrepreneurs, I deal exclusively with entrepreneurs. I work with people who consider themselves entrepreneurs, who have the entrepreneurial personality type. I wrote the book, The Entrepreneurial Personality Type. And I think for us, you know, they say that very few people take the road less traveled. Well, entrepreneurs don't even wait for a road. We see an opportunity, we see a change we want to make, and we pursue that change. And in the pursuit of change, if we can understand that the obstacles that come up, the issues that come up, those are probably, not probably, if you believe like I do, those are exactly what we need to be facing in order to move forward. 
And so it creates maybe not so much surrender, but more acceptance of what's going on around us and maybe gives us a different perspective of what's going on around us instead of just feeling defeated or just focusing on the obstacles. You know, how do I get what I need to out of this thing that's in front of me? Do you think it is almost important in some way to have that chase, to have those goals, to be able to orient ourselves to the opportunities and the challenges of life or the obstacles that are the way? I think it's crucially important. How do you go about thinking about what should be that goal? Like, what? how do you create your own goals? Yeah, how do you even know what's the right... I don't even... The right goal might be a difficult thing to say or possible ask, but what is the goal we should chase? Mm. You know, I think when you look at entrepreneurs throughout history who were wildly successful, they pursued something that was important to them and that was a change they wanted to see. And I think that one of the reasons I kind of sometimes make fun of goal-setting experts is they do things like, you know, hey, Ajit, write down the biggest number you've ever thought about earning. You know, write it down. Like, no, 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 don't write it yet. Like, think bigger, think bigger. And now, now that you have it down, cross it out and double it. And that's your goal for the year. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a pretty myopic way of looking at growth. That's a pretty myopic way of looking at, at contribution, at what you're going to do, at the change you're going to make. I have obsessively researched and studied successful people. And when you look at the vast majority of them, there was something very exciting about what they were doing. There was something that was enthralling about what they were doing. There was something that was very important to them about what they were doing. And so I think that often we get into this environment maybe in the entrepreneurial space where people are encouraged to look at top line revenue and how much are you selling and how many millions are you making, which I don't think is a bad thing at all. However, if it's to the exclusion of what you actually want to do to the exclusion of what excites you. I know a lot of people who make a ton of money and feel very hollow and are frustrated. I have a podcast. We talked about my podcast. I have an episode called What to Do When Money Stops Mattering because you get to the point as an entrepreneur where if you have enough money in the bank, you can't feel scared about money anymore or you don't feel as scared about money and it's not as motivating to have to build that resource, to have to build that backstop. And so I think doing something that is personally intriguing to you creates wild success. And history proves it. You know, history really proves it out. If you look at the people who have changed the world, if you go back through history and you think of the people you remember, the people who matter to be remembered, they were on a quest to do something. They were excited about what they were doing. I think that's important. And I don't think that that's talked about enough. I think, you know, there's a lot of people who want to put people on a path or who want, again, like aim at a revenue number. If that's really exciting to you, then that's great. But what is it that you really want to see change? Who is it that you really want to help? You know, I always tell entrepreneurs, if, if you're having trouble figuring out what direction to go, start with who you want to help. Like, what problem do you want to solve for people? What issue do you want to change in the world? And oftentimes, that's incredibly motivating. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. And that's a very different and interesting way of looking at goals. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. My curiosity is when we are approaching these goals, when we are approaching these directions, there is, at least from my point of view, and I love to be challenged on this and hear your take on it, is I feel there is a journey where it is the starting of an entrepreneurial journey. And that comes from desire to, yes, change something probably, but it also is a desire to make money and have mm -hmm. the freedom while making money, mm -hmm. uh, more so. And this is kind of, let's say, 
literally putting it, let's say it's your first million, mm-hmm. right? It's where you go, I'm going to just work my butt off because I want to get to this place and it's safe. And that's probably where all that goal setting comes in, where you go, oh, well, let's chase this, let's chase this, you know, double number, double number, double number. And then you get to a safety level and then it stops to matter, kind of like what you said. Yeah. is like, hey, this is what it is. What tends to happen is, at least my experience, and I could be very wrong, I haven't done the entrepreneurial study like you have, so you correct me if I'm wrong. I feel more entrepreneurs are in that stage of hitting security. They're not actually in a place of going further from security. Do you, oh, the do numbers you prove it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you just look at the numbers. So these numbers are from a few years ago. They're pre-COVID, and we did a really extensive like breakdown of the numbers. And so just a few years ago, there was 29.5 million businesses in the United States. 16 million were under $40,000 a year. So over half, from 40 to 100,000, there was 6 million. So 22 out of 29 million, under 100K. From 100 to 300, there was 1.7. From 300 to a million, there was 1.9. So you take that totality and under a million dollars was about 25 out of 29 and a half million businesses, a little over 25 out of 29 and a half million businesses. Sorry, not 25, 26. And so the vast majority of entrepreneurs are really in a struggle for survival. And so when you're first starting out, you know, chasing a revenue goal, doing something that is going to create some stability for you, it's everything. But at the same time, I think you can still do that while doing something that's exciting for you and doing something that intrigues you and doing something that you feel like gives you personal momentum. I think a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck because they're doing something that they don't really like. And they're climbing an uphill battle of not having the momentum of feeling like they're actually doing something that's exciting for them. Early on in the entrepreneurial journey, if you have clear outcomes and you have a clear process to follow, you know, that can feel really good. But then so many entrepreneurs have businesses that grow and then recede and grow and then recede, or they start going up the path of of gaining higher revenues and then they have a hard time continuing. And I think a lot of that has to do with not really being lit up by what they're doing, not being excited about what they're doing. So let's explore that a little bit. So you were saying, or at least that's what I'm hearing, is that you get lit up is how you create progress in your business, or at least you're happy while you're creating progress in your business. Sure. Or there was intense curiosity to solve a problem. Intense curiosity to solve a problem. Yeah. And when you are not safe or you're not at a safe number, and it's different for everyone, of course, but let's say they are not at a safe number. Most businesses are not based on the data that you just shared. How do you still stay, I know the answer is stay intensely curious, but I'm trying to kind of gauge the, for my own self, for that matter, a few years ago when I wasn't in a state of safety and security, what would I be doing as a person that would remind me of that and get me back into that place of saying, let's be off service, let's stay curious, let's stay interested versus worry about how do I pay my employees? Well, I mean, let's be real. If you have employees, you're past most of the entrepreneurs in the world, right? That's and true. So, yeah. so, or pay myself. Yeah, or pay myself, like, yeah. or pay my bills, right? Yeah. I think it's a lot harder to be in that place of intense curiosity. It's a lot harder to think about pursuing something that actually excites you when you're in that place of, hey, I just need to make the minimum and pay my bills. But in my experience, the people who are in that place who get really excited about something are the ones who go way past the 100,000, the 200,000, the 1 million and keep going. And so, you know, I've coached hundreds, maybe thousands of entrepreneurs. We've sold products to, I don't know, 60, 70, 80,000 entrepreneurs in my career. And the thing that stands out for me is those who really were excited about what they were doing, those who were lit up about what they were doing, those who, who felt like they were on a mission, 
were the ones who were able to go forward the furthest. And I think that, you know, sometimes that gets talked about and mm-hmm. sometimes it gets talked about in a way that makes it seem almost impossible to achieve because like, how do I create this huge mission? How do I change the world? Like, I'm just trying to make two, $3,000 a month so I can pay my bills. But I think at the same time, like keeping that thought of, you know, what's exciting for me, which part of what I'm doing is exciting for me, which part of how I'm putting this together is really driving me. I think for entrepreneurs who don't have that, it's a consistent uphill battle on a daily basis to stay motivated. And, you know, I think if you're doing what you love, you'll never have to try and motivate yourself. And if you're doing something that's exciting for you, motivation comes naturally. If you're doing something that you are not really enthralled by, but you're just trying to hit numbers, I don't know that you're going to be able to motivate yourself enough. So I was working with a company. I used to do business coaching a little while ago, and I still do sometimes. But at this point, I was working with this company. And one of the things that I did is every single time we would start our work together, I would be like, let's sit down and let's spend a day together. Like we're going to spend a day together and we're going to talk about, you know, like the big, why are we doing what we are doing type of thing, right? I will understand your business. You'll understand my coaching style. We'll see if we are a match and so forth. And so I sit down with this. This is a photography company. Like they train people how to take photos. And I sit down with them and they're like, why do you do what you do? Like fundamentally, what's the vision of the company? And he said something to the tune of, I want to impact a million lives or a billion lives, something like that. And I was like, that makes, like, you you help people take great photos. How does that correlate? I couldn't correlate it myself. So I kept digging and I was like, why is that the mission? What are you trying to, how are you trying to achieve it? How does your product fit into it? And eventually we got to the point where he had picked that vision because he sounded sexy. And that was well, it. He probably heard it's it a, at an event. Are, are you? There's like, <laughs> yeah. there's an entire generation of entrepreneurs. It's funny, you know, I've been around long <laughs> enough to have been in the, I want to impact a million people stage. And then, Somewhere probably seven or eight years ago, it changed to, I want to impact a billion people. And so <laughs> everybody wanted to impact a billion people. Like, you know, there's so many different mission statements out there, there that say, you know, <laughs> we make this peanut butter to impact a billion lives, or we make this, you know, info product to impact a billion lives. So I think a lot of times that's something that maybe has been implanted in people by the events that they go to and the things that they listen to. Yes. Now, eventually they got to, they just want people to be able to take great photos for great (laughs) memories, which is actually what they wanted to do, which is awesome because that's really what their real drive was because they cherish memories. And that's what the entrepreneur's personal vision was for itself or his own identity was around that. My curiosity is how do we invite our listeners to find that discernment to say, hey, what is it that is actually true for your drive? So you can at least find that compass, you know, instead mm-hmm. of just saying, oh, I'm not motivated. Instead of that saying, okay, let's find what is it that motivates you. Is there a way, is there a process, is there a thinking, is there a question that you would invite listeners to to go, okay, you know, think about this or wonder about this? Mm. Yeah, you know, I think, well, let me back up a little bit. I think that you know, there's stages in an entrepreneurial career. And this might not be as much stages as maybe circular type of process in an entrepreneurial career where you're running away from something. I think at the beginning of becoming an entrepreneur, when somebody says, hey, I want to do this, they're usually getting away from something. They're getting away from working for somebody else. They're trying to get away from not having the freedom they don't want or the, that they want. They're getting away from not having enough money. They're getting away from not having enough status, feeling like they're not good enough. Like those are the things that compel us at the beginning of our career and then might come back later on. And then there's a second stage where it's, that doesn't need to happen anymore. You have enough money. You've proven yourself. You know, you've put yourself out there. And then the question I think entrepreneurs need to start asking is like, what am I running towards? Because in the beginning, we're running away from. 
And that's compelling like crazy. I think for some entrepreneurs, it's there for their whole lives. You know, they were bullied as kids. They had challenges with money. They came from a poor family. They never had resources. They never had what they wanted. And so that just compels them their whole lives. And they, they never get to the place where they say, wait a second, I don't feel this drive anymore. I don't feel this push anymore. Like, what do I do next? And I think that next is like, what do I really want to do? What do I want to change? What am I excited about? And if you can back that up and in that process of running away from you, start asking yourself, like, what do I really want to impact? How do I really want to change things? I think it can lead you to maybe a more exciting path or maybe a more compelling path. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, do- it does. It does. It makes perfect sense. Apart from curiosity, what are, or intense curiosity, as you call it, what are some of the um, principles, variables, or common themes that you work with like 80,000 entrepreneurs, like you said? Is there like, you know, I've seen these consistent things that entrepreneurs either have or they build it as a skill or harness within themselves that one should look out for as they're building their own enterprises? I think that, there's a massive consistency in entrepreneurs. And I, I'm speaking for entrepreneurs. I've worked a ton with, with entrepreneurs. I've studied entrepreneurs throughout history. I've, I've been able to, to work directly with and interview some of the most successful people in the world. And, you know, I define the entrepreneurial personality type as a physiologically sensitive, momentum-based being that is highly reactive to constraint. And when I look at every entrepreneur, that's why I you see, just say that again. Physiologically sure. what? So it's a physiologically sensitive, (laughs) Mm -hmm. momentum-based being that's highly reactive to constraint. And here's what I mean by that. As entrepreneurs, we are sensitive. We're physiologically sensitive, whether we realize it or not, whether we allow ourselves to, to understand just how sensitive we are. But for entrepreneurs, you know, we feel things. The antenna through which we make decisions is our body. It's our being. It's who we are. And... We are momentum-based beings. As entrepreneurs, when we're in momentum, when we're moving towards an outcome, towards a goal, when we're in that place where like, we're knocking things down and the world's following in our wake and we're making things happen, it feels like, like we're alive. You know, When I go out and speak, I'll ask, like, what does it feel like? And people say, it feels like I'm high. It feels incredible. It feels like flow. It feels like nirvana. It feels you know, like all kinds of other words. And then finally, somebody goes, it feels like I'm alive. And for people like us, I think when we're in that pursuit of something, when we're in that moving towards something, that's when we feel fully engaged and alive. And so we're momentum-based beings. And then we're highly, highly reactive to constraint. So when something gets in our way, we go into massive constraint. Like, you know, an entrepreneur can be having a great day get up, things go well with their kids, they get on a sales call, they make the deal, they go out to lunch, they have a great conversation with a potential client, they come back to the office and there's an envelope that says IRS, and they instantly go into this reactive, like constraint-based, like everything's broken. Even before they open the envelope, they're having those feelings. And so we are highly, highly reactive to constraint. And so, you know, in the, the work that I do with entrepreneurs, it's understanding that you know, that's, that's who we are. We're physiologic. Uh, sensitivity for entrepreneurs is a superpower. I was recently coaching a company in Hong Kong that trains other people how to make money in the information products business. And I was working with one of the three principals and the person who helps them operate their business. And I mentioned to him, I said, you know, I want you to realize how sensitive you are. And I could tell in the conversation that he took it as like an insult. I think a lot of us, when we're told, hey, you're sensitive, we're like, oh, I'm not sensitive. I'm tough. I can mm-hmm. I can put up with tons. Like, let me show you everything I've done in my life. Mm-hmm. And I had to pause and say like, hey, let me explain to you what I mean by sensitive. I mean, you are so sensitive that you've been able to build this business that does 
multiple million dollars that sells a product nobody else in the market saw. And mm-hmm. you're so sensitive that you can put together marketing programs and packages that people buy like crazy because you see an opportunity nobody else sees. And as mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, I think we deny our sensitivity, but what we don't realize is it is an entrepreneurial superpower. You mm-hmm. know, it takes sensitivity to see an opportunity nobody sees. It takes sensitivity to see a new product that can enter the marketplace where there's a gap. And so mm-hmm. when I say that we are highly sensitive to constraint, you know, I think one of the best ways for us as entrepreneurs to understand where to go is to understand what we shouldn't be doing and take away the static and the noise in our lives. I often talk to entrepreneurs about pressure and noise. When there's high pressure and noise in your life, and this can come from anywhere, and, and I take like everything that happens to us that doesn't feel like momentum, and I call it pressure and noise. So, It's arguing with your wife. It's challenges with your business. It's challenges with your health, with physiology, with money, whatever it is. Where is the pressure and noise coming from? And how do we start making it go away? And how do we not accept all of that noise, all of that pressure? Here's what happens to us as entrepreneurs. I think operant conditioning is real with human beings. Like, you know, psychology has proven that if you feed a dog and you ring a bell and you feed the dog and you ring a bell and you ring the bell without the food, the dog still salivates. We're just the same. I mean, we're not exactly the same as dogs, but we're conditioned like the same thing. And in order to start a business and be successful, you do everything. That conditions you that in order to be successful, you have to continue doing everything. And every entrepreneur, you, me, everyone who's ever had any level of success has been in a place where we have not had enough resources, not had enough time, not had the right skill set. We've been too young, too old, overqualified, underqualified, whatever the world was telling us. And we've been able to battle through that place. And, you know, we're, we're looking at a light at the end of the tunnel and the people around us are like, hey, that's a train. But we continue towards that light. We compel ourselves towards it, it towards us. And then we finally pass through it. And that's where we become who we are today. Have you been on that journey? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. All of us. Yeah, have. all of us. Yeah. Right? The issue is that going on that journey actually conditions us to put up with all of those things. And there's a point in our careers where we can say, okay, and and really earlier than most even think, where we can say, hey, what are the people? What are the places? What are the things in my life that are not giving me momentum because they're taking it away? And I think oftentimes entrepreneurs don't see the opportunity in front of them. They don't make the decisions to really get what they want because they're in this place of, I just have to put up with all this stuff and that creates success. And so oftentimes it's by taking things away rather than adding them that massive momentum is created. Beautiful, beautiful. I want to explore a little bit more on the sensitivity part because I think that's so spot on and that it's almost like a light bulb moment for me. I'm like, oh shit, I never saw that in that way. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And I think we don't recognize it for what you just expressed it and explained it to be. Because sensitivity as a word sometimes means, you know, you're emotionally sensitive, which yeah. you are as well as an entrepreneur. But I think what you were really, or at least what I understood of it is you have a sense of what's happening around you mm-hmm. and a really deep sense, almost if I have to like replace that word for a more personal growth term, it would be intuition. I would say you have an intuitive understanding of, oh, that's the product that's missing or that's the service that nobody's offering or that's what will be needed in the world at some way. Yeah. Is what I'm hearing that. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it definitely has something to do with intuition. But I also think that as entrepreneurs, once we understand how sensitive we are, we start to defend that sensitivity. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and and we're more cautious with it. We're more careful with it. You know, I often use the example of look at some of the most successful entrepreneurs in history and look at how they defended their sensitivity. You know, Steve Jobs wore the same thing every day because he knew that the decision-making fatigue of walking into a closet and picking something out just wasn't worth it. And it's not just Steve Jobs. Jeez, the number of entrepreneurs who picked a uniform and stuck with it, like it's one of the reasons I did it a long time ago. And that's like protecting our sensitivity so that intuition can be there. And when you say intuition, it's like, I think some people maybe don't love the word intuition. I do. (laughs) I think a lot of what we do is intuitive, but I think you can substitute intuition or perspective or vision or seeing opportunities or any of those things come from a place of, of us having the capacity to do that. And Mm -hmm. there's some entrepreneurs out there that they can put up with whatever and still be successful. But if, you know, somebody's listening who feels like they plateaued or they're not getting the results that they want or they're not feeling like they want to or they're creating success, but it doesn't feel like it used to, you know, my question to entrepreneurs is, okay, so like what else is there in your life that's creating pressure and noise that is taking the momentum away? Like you're not even feeling the momentum of what you're doing anymore. And I think it's binary. You know, the things in our lives, the things that we do, they either give us momentum or they take it away. And we like to say, no, there's this middle ground, but there really isn't. There isn't. You know, if we're more defensive of ourselves. I think one of the biggest issues for entrepreneurs is we're not defensive enough about of ourselves. We put ourselves into situations that are uncomfortable. We have relationships that are uncomfortable. We don't really tell people when we're uncomfortable. We put up with a lot and we feel like, oh, this is what I need to do to create success. And I see the opposite. You know, in the stories that I read of entrepreneurs who became wildly successful, there was a point in their lives or maybe just a habit in their lives of eliminating what made them uncomfortable, of not doing the things that they didn't want to do, of walking away from the systems or the structures that didn't feel right to them so that they could go do the thing that they wanted to do. And I see that. And I see that for myself as well, as you say it. If, and this is a curious question, is if somebody, because I would think, there are certain parts of my sensitivity I have turned down probably mm-hmm. at this mm-hmm. point because of, you know, I've just, I've lost that sensitivity to that area because of whatever may have happened or what people may have said. And I may have felt, okay, maybe I just don't know enough about it or whatever, even if my sense said something. How is it that somebody reignites or develops or harnesses? Let's say somebody has some sensitivity, but they would love to harness it. Like, yeah. you know, it, like all the other elements that are key to somebody's success. And I do think sensitivity, the way you explain is absolutely paramount. Yeah. I think that's the cutting edge of an entrepreneur in many ways. That's the thing that makes it because of their ability to be able to sense so clearly and be able to turn down the noise, like you said. So would you have any practices for that? Have you seen or worked with people to say, hey, listen, I feel like we need to work on this area and here's how? Yeah, we have a whole system for it. Yeah, would you like to give some highlights? Yeah, on that? absolutely. Yeah. Um, Ajit, one of the reasons that I sometimes make fun of or say like, hey, be careful with goal setting experts is because goal setting experts start from where you are and always push in this direction. And they say, here's where you are. Like, what else are we going to do? What are you going to do next? And you know, what doesn't often happen is we don't ask, hey, what's in the way? What do we need to take out? What do we need to pull away? What do we need to exercise from your life so that this happens by itself? You know, there's two ways to create momentum. If you think of a boat in the water, if that boat's carrying a ton of ballast and you can throw that overboard, it takes a lot less energy to get it up out of the water. 
Or you can just say, hey, I'm just going to go in this direction. I'm going to ignore how heavy things are and we're going to use all the energy that we need. And so there's this other way to create progress in our lives that is not often talked about in the entrepreneurial world. And it's doing an inventory and figuring out like where is the pressure and noise coming from in my life? Like where is the frustration coming from in my life? And we have a system that's part of our momentum planning system to do this, but I'll give you the highlights because anybody can do this. Like just with the directions I'm giving you now. You know, I often tell entrepreneurs, like, get up and go for a walk and go for like a good 20 minute walk. It clears your mind. The bilateral stimulation gets you in your body, helps you think more clearly, and then sit down at a desk and say, okay, what are all the things in my life that are frustrating me? Like for me, what are the things that are frustrating me? You know, I'm not sleeping well. I'm frustrated with where I live. I've gained weight and I don't feel attractive or I've lost too much weight and I don't feel strong anymore. Like what are all the things that are bothering you in your life? And take an inventory. It only takes a few minutes and write all those things down. And then do the same thing for, okay, here's my business. Like, what are all the things in my business that are bothering me? And then the third area is, what are all the things in my relationships? And oftentimes, if an entrepreneur is in a significant other relationship, if they're married or if they have a person that they're with, then it's, what are the things in that relationship? I call them the three alignments. When you look at the three areas of an entrepreneur's life that need to be aligned, it's alignment with self, alignment with others, and then alignment with our business. And if you write all those things out, it can be incredibly revealing. In fact, for a lot of people, when I've gone through this exercise with people in person, I used to teach this in classes, people would write things down and I would say, okay, now that we've done this, and like in a live class, we would take maybe three minutes per category. I'd have everybody get up, go clear their minds, come back, and okay, let's take three minutes per category. And then at the end, I would say, okay, let's take one more minute and write anything down that came up that you haven't thought of. Like, just give yourself the opportunity. And then I would say, how does everybody feel? And at the end of just writing this stuff down, people would be like, I feel so much better. I feel so much lighter. I feel like, you know, I have a different perspective. Nobody's ever asked me to do this before. And one of the reasons I have people do this is, you know, I, I'm 49. I started as a consultant when I was 21. And I wasn't a coach. I wasn't like in this information products world that we're in. I owned a manufacturer's rep firm. And then we also did some consulting on the side. But what I realized in that company was the executives I was working with, the people that I was working with, when they got stuck, Oftentimes, it wasn't because the destination wasn't big enough. When they got stuck, it's because they weren't really looking at all the things that were pinning them down, that were holding them down, that, that they were carrying along with them. And when I could have a conversation with them where they would start to identify those things, things would radically improve. And so just the admission that there's this stuff going on often helps like people figure out what to do moving forward. And once you've written those things down, you get perspective and say, wait, there's some stuff here I can change immediately. Like I can change this now. And now that I've admitted that, you know, I feel like I'm too heavy or I'm too light, well, I'm going to change my diet. And there's a lot more motivation to do that now. You know, I realize that I have this relationship in my life that every time I hang out with this person, not maybe not significant other relationship, but I have this relationship that every time I hang out with this person, I'm frustrated for a few days. Like I, I didn't even realize it until I started writing it down. You know, I, and I thought this was somebody I really liked hanging out with, but Maybe it's motivating in a way that isn't really moving me forward anymore. And, you know, there's stuff in my business that I really can't stand. Like, I don't feel right about and I'm frustrated with doing. And Ajit, like, it can be something like every time I come in my house, I've got a broken light switch. You know, I think as entrepreneurs, it's like, you know, the broken window theory that if you're in a city where there's broken windows, things just go in the wrong direction. If we're putting up with little things and big things, all of those things add up to this level of pressure and noise. 
I've literally had people say things like, you know, I left your event and I had this whole huge list of things to do. And the next morning I had an electrician come out and put a new light switch in my office and I feel so much better now. And it's because like, again, we don't look at the things that are bothering us. And I think taking an inventory of those things can be incredibly revealing for an entrepreneur. That is so powerful. I mean, I, I can already see that working. It worked recently. I, I didn't even know the exercise, but the example that you gave was so perfect where you said there's a relationship that you might be in like a friendship or whatever, and it drains you. You said it in a different way. But the, very <laughs> recently, I was writing down because I was like, I'm here in Austin for about a year and a half at this point. I know a lot of people. Sometimes I would have a party and I was like, this party, I didn't feel that good at the end of the party. I don't know why. And I started to write down everybody's name that, you know, like just generally everybody that I know. And I started to go, what do I feel after I've spoken to them? Like on a scale of one to 10, how do I feel? Not what do I feel? How do I feel? And I realized a lot of people that I meet frequently, I don't feel a 10. I feel like a seven or a five. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's where it is. It's not that they're bad people. They're great people. It's just my energy doesn't land with them. Yeah. And yes, there were great connections when I first came in and I knew no one. But it's not the same. It's not a 10. If it's not a 10, at this point in my life, I can't afford not a 10. I got two kids already. Yeah. Uh, a lot of energy is spent there. I want to have every interaction fuel me, not take away from me. And I hope to do the same for the person, of course. I'm not saying they should interact with me just because it fuels me. But we fuel each other. And that already, I was like, oh, wow, I don't have to meet these three or four people. They're not a lot. They were like three or four people that I just felt like they were always, you know, there are a certain type of people. And for me, certain type of people just don't work if they have always a complaint to share. Yeah, uh, they're so, draining. Yeah, it just drains me. I mean, yeah. some people find it exciting. I don't. And so for me, I was like, you know, I don't need to meet them. Like, it's it's okay. Or meet them, but for five minutes, I don't have to have like an hour-long conversation with them. And that just changed everything. That got me to restart this because I'm like, people I want to hang out with, sometimes I don't get to see like you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to tell you to come to my podcast because <laughs> I'm going to have a fun conversation. I'm going to be full and I'm going to hope that you're going to be full. And at least for that day, it's awesome, right? And, yeah. and things like that. So I was like, I'm going to restart this whole thing so I can hang out more with people that I want to hang out with. So that's that was such a small but powerful thing. It was so powerful for me. So I can see how powerful it would be for your students and your clients as well. Yeah. Um, well, it was powerful for me, Ajit. I did this exercise years ago, years and years ago. Very similar situation to you. It was like, what's bothering me in my relationships? And I remember I ended up like writing down a list of names and thinking like, this is odd because these are friends of mine. And they're actually friends of mine who have helped me with stuff. And they're friends of mine who I think I like being around. Like I, I purposely go spend time with them. And after some contemplation, I realized it was friends of mine who at the time were stuck in this place that every time I was around them, they were talking negatively about other people. Like sooner or later in the conversation, there was a commonality. Sooner or later in the conversation, I'm like, oh, I remember this last conversation. They were talking about this person. Or, you know, I remember this last conversation. There was a list of people this person was talking about. And because I had known them for so long, it wasn't like in the moment I was saying, wow, I'm uncomfortable right now. You know, in the moment, I was like, I'm with a friend. I'm okay. This is fine. And it changed how I acted around those people. A few of them, I, I kind of had to stop being around them as much. And then a few of them, when the conversation about other people came up, I would go, okay, red flag for me. I'm going to feel drained at the end of this. I would change the subject. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's enlightening for any of us to go through this type of an exercise. Yeah. So I highly recommend everybody that's listening to this to absolutely do sex. I think it was super powerful. It's super powerful for you, have been for me and for many other people. 
So as entrepreneurs, while we navigate our energy, we fill our tanks up by being more sensitive, by taking things away or things that are blocking us. One of the things that that you mentioned was to keep momentum, right? Mm -hmm. And that was to take away... You use specific words, but basically it was to take away challenges that are on yeah, the, the way. Pressure and noise. Pressure yeah. and noise. Yes, pressure and noise. So we just talked about people. What are some other pressures and noise that you've seen commonly come up in people's entrepreneurial journey? Oh, you know, I think a lot of it is the lack of understanding of what is bothering you. When you say like, what are the common things that I see in people's entrepreneurial journey is that there's commonalities, I think, for everyone. There's the noise of having to put up with people you don't want to be around. There's a lot of judgment. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, there's a commonality that we feel judged. We don't feel seen. Oftentimes, we don't feel seen by our family or we don't feel seen by the people around us. You know, the day you become an entrepreneur is the day you become a commodity. It's interesting. It still happens. You know, if somebody goes on Facebook and they make a post that says, hey, I'm starting next week with this new company and here's my position, you get like 200 comments. Somebody says, hey, I'm quitting my job and I'm starting a business. You see comments like, are you okay? Have you told your parents? Like, is everything, you know? Like, being an entrepreneur in and of itself creates massive judgment. And I think that's one of the commonalities that almost every entrepreneur has felt at some time in their career is that they don't feel seen, they don't feel heard, they don't feel like the people around them really understand and get them. But when you say, like, there's just something common, I think the biggest thing is the denial of the discomfort that we're feeling. And the biggest thing is not just the denial, but the acceptance of discomfort because we feel like it's going to create success. And I think when we consciously figure out what it is that's frustrating us, what it is that's bothering us, where's the pressure and noise coming from, we can say like, okay, well, this part of my business where I really don't like being on sales calls, well, for right now, I have to be on sales calls. But now my goal is how big can I get this business to where I can hire somebody to do sales? And so it's not like we can eliminate all of it. But then oftentimes too, when we write down the stuff that we don't like, there's things that we say, man, like I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. And so, you know, I think the commonality is that we have been conditioned by previous periods of our lives to put up with things. And rarely does somebody say, time out, what are you putting up with? What are you tolerating? What are you allowing in your life that you don't really want to be there? Because like I said, if you have a boat carrying a ton of ballast and you have a big enough engine, you can get it out of the water, but it's going to take a long time. You jettison all the baggage and that boat pops right up out of the water by itself. And so, you know, the other way to achieve your goals rather than just aiming for something huge is to say, what do I get out of my life right now? So I, I always try to reflect and put myself in the shoe of a new entrepreneurs and tell me if this is not a direction we could go in. And the reason why a new entrepreneur is like, because the majority of them are there. A lot of our listeners are newer entrepreneurs that are sure. trying to hit their first six figures and so on and so forth. One of the things is that, like they hate sales calls. They tend to be coaches who are listeners most of the time or people who are in personal growth, again, tend to be in some way of transformation business, hate sales or have believed somehow that they hate sales. And if you tell them, okay, take out what's getting on your way, the first thing they'll take out is, I'm not going to do sales or I should not have sales. And that, in my opinion, at least from where I'm looking at right now, it feels like you can't do that because mm -hmm. you got to actually get good at that. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can communicate your message to the people that are relevant to your audience. What would be your reframe, your thinking process, your way to tackle this for this particular group of people? For a new entrepreneur. A newer entrepreneur. Let's say somebody who's just like, you know, just getting started. Maybe they have some contracts. Maybe they're making 40, 50, 60 grand a year. Something yeah. like that, yeah. So newer category. Yeah, yeah I think that 
if you're a newer entrepreneur, one of the things that creates the capacity to do the things that are uncomfortable, because you're right, Ajay, you like it's starting a business, you're going to do things that are uncomfortable. And if you're starting a business as a coach or in information products or a consultant, there's not going to be a salesperson there for you. And one of the things that creates the capacity to be able to do those things is radically taking good care of yourself. And I know that this is something that it's almost become like cool in the entrepreneurial space to, to beat yourself up and to see how much you can tolerate and how much you can put up with and how much pain can you go through compared to the next guy. And when I'm working with somebody who's in that entry level space, when I'm working with somebody who's starting out, you know, we look at things like, do you have a morning routine? Are you taking care of yourself? Do you have a process that you go through each day to make sure that you're doing the right things? Do you have a way of setting outcomes and goals and achieving those outcomes and goals? Do you have a daily planning system? How grounded are you? Are you participating in any type of a meditation practice or self-care practice? And I think that there's this dogma in the entrepreneurial space that you have to sacrifice everything in order to create success. And I'm not going to say there's not sacrifice in being an entrepreneur. There absolutely is. But when you're in that entry-level sub $100,000 space, to me, it's those personal routines, personal habits, the way that you personally conduct yourself and take care of yourself that give you the capacity to do the things that may be a heavy lift. And you know the way I always coach people is, look, anything that you're doing in your business that you don't want to do, you have to do it well enough that you can hand it off to somebody else, and then you never have to do it again. And that's true. Like you, you do have to, at the very beginning, learn how to sell. But once you're proficient at sales, you can hire a salesperson. And you might not like, you know, whatever part of the business it is that you're doing. But when you create capacity by taking care of yourself, and I know that this is a roundabout way of getting there. And it's not something that a lot of coaches talk about. I think it's actually become unpopular to talk about self-care and really making sure you have capacity and that you're okay. But again, my whole career, I've been a goal achievement expert, not a goal setting expert. I've shown people how to go from point A to point B. I've worked with you know, tons of people who are in that startup space that have gone on to run multi-million dollar companies. And one of the commonalities that I've seen over and over again, really regardless of what stage business growth is, if someone is feeling like there's things that they don't want to do, but they have to do. If they're willing to, to take care of themselves, create that capacity, put together a morning routine, stop decision-making fatigue, things get a lot easier. It's almost like if you're going to pour out of your cup, fill your cup first. 100%. First thing in the morning. Yeah. One thing that you talked about that I think is, again, not talked enough is decision fatigue. Decision-making fatigue. Yeah, yeah. decision-making fatigue. It's at least my understanding of what you said, and maybe you can explain a little bit more. Because I think that's one of those things that that is so important for an entrepreneur and very few people think about. Yeah. How many decisions and quality of decisions that they're making on a daily basis? Yeah. And it kind of also leans into the example of Steve Jobs that you're talking about having a uniform. Yeah. Tell us more about what is decision fatigue and what should one be mindful of? Yeah. So, you know, the brain burns more energy than any other part of our body. There's research, studies, and research, and so much out there on when we have to make a series of difficult decisions, our decision making capability actually degrades, and our likelihood of making decisions that we will not be happy with later actually goes up. Let me give you an example. So, if somebody gets up in the morning and they're in a place where they want to be in better shape, and so they're eating nothing but healthy foods, then getting up in the morning first thing 
you're probably not going to be challenged by, I need to go get a cheeseburger. But if you get up in the morning and there's challenges with the kids and you're making decisions on how to deal with them and you don't have a morning routine, so the morning's haphazard and you're throwing things together, you're leaving the house late for the you know fifth time in a five-day week, you get your kids to school late, you get to work late, you're behind on things, and all day you're in this constant treading water by the time 3.30 rolls around and you're out on a sales call or you're out doing something and you pass the fast food place, your brain is going to make it a lot easier for you to go do something that you're not going to be happy with later. And so the more that we set ourselves up for success in advance, the more that we eliminate that decision-making fatigue by creating a process through which we support ourselves, we'll make more consistently good decisions. I know a lot of people say things like, oh, I just have a hard time keeping in shape or I have a hard time not eating these foods. Or, you know, I think for a lot of the time it's, well, here's what's happened. You're allowing your decision-making capacity to be burned out so quickly that your mind is in a place where it's just looking for pleasure. It gives up discipline. It gives up any type of outcomes that you have. And it says, how do I just feel better right now? Mm. And so when we understand that decision-making fatigue is a real thing, and when we know or when we allow for that understanding to drive us to say, okay, how do I eliminate the decisions in the morning? I'm going to put together a morning routine. I'm going to get up in the morning, do the same things that I know will support me. And by the way, you know, I I think it's also become cool in the entrepreneurial world to say, you don't need a morning routine or you don't need to have a routine. You need to be in flow. You need to be doing this. The fact is, (laughs) is like flow doesn't happen in most people's lives unless they have a process to get there, unless they actually clear out the noise and the, the pressure to get there. And so I think, you know, It might not be the sexiest answer, but man, in my experience, when I've been able to work with people and have had them put together a morning routine, simple, like write it down and go through the checklist, and they've eliminated decision-making in advance, suddenly all the stuff in their business gets easier. And they start making way more progress in the things that are really important to them, and they start making better decisions. That is so true. Why is it becoming cool? I I didn't know that, that it was even cool to not have, because I always thought flow is generated in a way. And that's what if you set li- up. Yeah. And yeah. if you listen to anyone or watch anyone that is a high performer who's in state of flow or seems like they must be in a state of flow, they have everything set almost like it's rhythmic. It's like, yeah. yep, this is what I do. Then I da, 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 da. Yeah. and then this around this time is when I say, all right, I'm done. Yeah. And then it is open to whatever happens. But I've already gotten my thing done. Yeah. Uh, my flow is already taken care of, especially with writers, at least. All the successful writers are just amazed at how scheduled they are. They're like, disciplined. I wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning and yeah. I write for these many hours. My coffee is ready. My This is ready. Yeah, yeah. And I go for it until this time. Then I take a walk or have my lunch and then I come back and I do da 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 da. And then after that, every email or whatever else is there in the world is after like 2 o'clock or 4 o'clock. Something when their d- day is kind of done, but the world is still catching up to them. It, so so it's, it, where is that coming from, according to you? this new narrative. I don't know, Ajit. I think it's like, it's very similar to the narrative that you should just get up and work every day. Like, don't even think about anything. Just go straight to your desk. You know, I think... Mm, The hustle culture. The hustle culture. But it's almost like this heroic 
hustle culture. I can work harder than you. I can work longer than you. I don't need any support. I can do it on my own. That there's like this badge of honor that a lot of entrepreneurs have to like, I don't do any of that stuff. And I've still created this massive level of success. And financial success, mostly there's not really success. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and it, a lot of the time it is financial success. Yeah. And it's financial success that what you're not seeing on the other side of that equation, if you know, and I've seen, because I'm in the room, I've had the conversations with people of like, you know, I have $10 million in the bank and I feel the same as when I didn't have any money. And I don't feel like I've really changed things in my life at all. And I'm still running every day and I'm still frustrated every day. I'm still angry every day. And I think that a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we look for excuses to validate the way we're behaving and to make it okay the way we're behaving. And I think being caught up in that constant state of hustle is an adrenaline addiction that a lot of people have that they don't want to face and say like, why am I doing it this way? Why am I beating myself up on a daily basis? Why do I feel like I have to create all this massive pressure for myself? And so I think that there's a lot of really well-known people out there who have become well-known by demonstrating day-to-day that hustle culture on social media and in videos that they do. And like, I work all day, every day, you know, I have 16 hour days, five days this week. I'm not saying that sometimes you don't have to do that as an entrepreneur, but when that becomes a lifestyle, there's a reason you're avoiding something. You're masking what is really going on for you in this. I'm going to focus on something else all day, every day. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I hesitate to say this because it's a long discussion to get into, but for a lot of those entrepreneurs, you know, there have been traumatic events in their lives that they are masking through myopic focus and through overwhelming themselves on a daily basis. And to the incoming entrepreneur who's like, how do I get this done? It looks cool. It's like, hey, they can do it. I can do it too. You know, it's the hero story. Uh, yeah. Like the hero, the savior. I want to be like the hero and the savior yeah. without understanding what it actually means. I mean, I got caught up in it when I was in my 20s. You know, I, I ran the, a manufacturer's rep firm. I was always the youngest kid in the room or youngest person in the room. You know, we were very, very successful. But I had read an article that said Bill Gates, in order to build Microsoft, had never taken a day off in his 20s. And it's funny that these days people don't even like associate Bill Gates with Microsoft. But this was back in my, when Mm -hmm. I was coming up. And Gates was one of those entrepreneurial icons because in his early 20s, he was running this massive company called Microsoft. And I read this article that said he never took a day off in his 20s. He worked seven days a week, never took a day off. That was the discipline that it took to build this multi-billion dollar multinational company. And I remember reading it and thinking, oh, that's how you do it. And so I did the same thing. And by the time I was in my early 30s, I was almost 300 pounds. I had a bleeding ulcer. Um, Now they call it uh, Crohn's or colitis or IBS or something like that. But back then it was called a bleeding ulcer. I was on three or four different medications. I was in a place of reactivity and lack of sensitivity that was just completely over the top. And a lot of that was due to me not really understanding that I was being driven by a lot of circumstances that were earlier in my life. You know, I was traumatized when I was a kid. I was bullied. I was always the odd man out. And so as soon as I got into business and I found a place where like, hey, I can actually succeed, I was going to succeed no matter what. And I would sacrifice everything in order to be able to be the guy in the room who had the highest sales or who got the award or who, who got the new contract. And once I realized where a lot of that stuff was coming from, 
you know, I started going to EMDR therapy. I got into a lot better shape. I had fears of if I do these things, am I going to lose my edge? And here's what really happened was I did those things and my motivation came from a different place. And rather than losing my edge, I created success on an entirely different level than I had had before. Now that you look at your younger self, I mean, some of the gems that you shared already are, I think, relevant to this conversation. But if you were to talk to the younger entrepreneurs, it doesn't have to be young in sense of age, but young in sense of their entrepreneurial journey, because we sure. also get a lot of people who have a lot of experience. They don't see themselves as entrepreneurs because they have just quit their job, but they've been 20 years and very successful in different rights of their life. And they're switching careers now, transitioning to something that's more meaningful to them at this point. What would you say are a few highlights that you would want them to remember? Hmm. as they go into this phase where they will be in that mode of getting to a place where they feel safe in their careers because it's a new career. Or even if they've been in this career for two years, they maybe don't feel safe So until they get to that safety level so they don't repeat or don't fall for the trap of yeah. hustle or whatever that is. What would you say? Well, first, I think regardless of what stage of your chronological life you're in, if you have the feeling that you want to separate from the crowd out there and become an entrepreneur and be someone who defines your own destiny and sets your own outcomes and can have a level of freedom of dictating what you want to do, then you should. And I think there's so many people out there who are thinking like, I want to do this, but should I? And here's what I want you to know. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It doesn't matter what issues you have in your life, what diagnosis you have, what challenges, what frustrations someone just like us, just like you, who is an entrepreneur like us, has had those issues and has overcome them and has gone on to change the world. So there's no excuse out there. If your brain is telling you you should consider this, then I want to tell you wholeheartedly, this is where you belong. Because people who shouldn't be doing this never think about it. And if you're thinking about it, if you're leaning towards it, if you're moving in the direction, then know that you're going in the right direction because this is a life that is not as easy as some other things that you can do. It's way more challenging. It carries with it a lot more responsibility than I believe most people ever have in the world. Growing a business is one of the most difficult things you can do in your lifetime, but I also believe it is almost exclusively one of the most spiritually rewarding that there can be. And maybe other than just having kids and being in a really like incredible committed relationship, growing a business is one of the most incredible learning experiences that any human being can have. So if you are thinking about doing it, go in the direction and do that. And I think that if you're just starting out on this journey, one of the things to think about is how are you going to protect the sensitivity you need to see what you should be doing next and to understand what you really want to do. And so if you're going to be an entrepreneur, I think a lot of times people say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm just going to do everything that it takes to run this business and nothing else. But if you're not getting up in the morning and taking care of yourself, if you're not taking walks, if you're not meditating, and I know that like meditation is almost a bad word in the entrepreneurial space because <laughs> everybody's like, I can't. It just means sitting there for a few minutes with your eyes closed, breathing and letting your brain process. It doesn't mean that it has to be blank. It doesn't have to be perfect. If you sit there and your mind is racing, that's exactly what it needs to be doing. You know, doing those things is going to help you increase the ability to see what you really want to do. 
And my pointer would be to avoid this hustle and succeed at all costs dogma and environment that's out there. Because yes, there's people who are going to be on stage at events who say, I sacrificed everything and now I have a multi-million dollar business. But I've seen behind the curtains on those people and they're usually cleaning up a huge mess and trying to reconcile why they don't feel like they're actually successful unless they're on stage talking about it. And so protect yourself, protect your sensitivity. Don't lean into this, I need to sacrifice everything. Will there be sacrifices? Of course there will. But the more you take care of yourself, the more you, the more you lower the pressure and noise in your life, the unnecessary pressure and noise, you'll be able to do the things that you need to do to actually be successful. Thank you so much, Alex, for all that amazing, amazing advice, those questions, those patterns that we will be rethinking about. How can people know more about you and follow your work? Yeah, I think the best place is if they're watching us here on a podcast, then I have a podcast called Momentum for the Entrepreneurial Personality Type. You can go to MomentumPodcast.com and then click through to whatever platform you listen to it on. I think that's probably the best place. All right, so go over to MomentumPodcast.com and subscribe and follow Alex on a weekly basis, sometimes twice a week, sometimes three <laughs> times a week, we'll see, and get some amazing advice in your minds as you build your own careers. Thank you so much, Alex, for taking the time. It's been a pleasure. Oh, man, thanks for having me.